Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. This morning, we are going to do two things. One is we are going to be uh, laying hands on Pastor Jason and Liz and uh, setting them apart, ordaining them into the ministry. And uh, also, this morning, we're going to be officially transitioning the leadership, senior leadership of Erie Christian Fellowship um, to the capable leadership of Pastor Jason and Liz. I cannot uh, express to you how thrilled that we are to um, be privileged to be followed by such a capable, called couple that have clearly demonstrated First and foremost, their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Everyone who uh, obeys the call of God upon their life is going to have to make critical, hard decisions along the pathway. Uh, Jesus said, you know, if, if you look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom. And Jesus never promised that uh, it would always be, you know, just a floating bed of ease. But he promised victory. Amen. And he promised that he would forever walk alongside with us. Amen. And, and that, has been, that has been our testimony. And it has been our privilege to uh, walk together with him. But... The Ackermans have demonstrated that in uh, over the last 20 years where we've had the privilege uh, to walk together with them, to observe their life. Um, and I've made mention previously of our, one of our first meetings where they queried me in my office. And I always smile inwardly when that happens because it says to me, these people are serious. And um, so 20 years later, here we are. And uh, we are very thrilled that we have the privilege today to uh, install them and to stand behind them as they begin this new journey. Yes. We know that the best days of this church are before the church that there is a season, Uh, each of us have a call, Uh, each of us have a a unique call, it's not all the same, Uh, but what God calls us first and foremost is to be obedient to that thing that he has put before us. Um, I want to read a a scripture and then I know that um, we have some some gifts, some things that are expressive of our heart, not only uh, of our heart, but of our congregation. We know that, uh, that they stand 100% behind you. And um, uh, I want to read a couple of scriptures this morning. First is Acts twenty twenty eight, where the Apostle Paul Uh, speaking to the church, reminds them. He says, Therefore take heed to yourself and to all of the flock among whom which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. And then in verse 32, he says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. I have coveted, 
no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourself know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And then in Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 through 14. The Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. And let me remind our congregation, there's no perfect pastor. (laughs) Amen. We're all a work in progress. And so I, I want to encourage you as a congregation to stand faithfully behind your pastor. Don't ever compare them to me and Pam. There's never going to be another Jim and Pam Dumont. There'll never be another Jason and Liz Ackerman. There's each of us are unique. And um, and so the Apostle Paul charges us in Philippians 3 verse 12. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's our encouragement and our charge to you this morning. That good gift and that good thing that God has placed on the inside of you. We call it forth today. And that's what we're going to do when we lay hands upon you. We are going to set ourselves in agreement And we're going to call forth those gifts and callings. And uh, as a congregation, we are going to set ourselves in agreement to continue to call forth and and, uh, encourage you as you continue to develop and fulfill the ministry to which God has called you. Pam. And it is an incredible honor... It's the greatest honor of our lives was to be called to pastor this church. And it is an exquisite honor to pass the baton to such wonderful, dedicated, capable leaders. As Moses preached and led, he could only take the children of Israel so far. And then Joshua stepped up. This is our new Joshua. Amen. And my exhortation to you is, know Jesus like you've never known him. I've known him since I was a little, little, little girl. He is inexhaustible. And the closer and the deeper you are with the Lord Jesus, the quieter the fears will be, the quieter the conflicts will be, and the sweeter the victories will be. The greatest words we could give anybody is to know Him, know Him deeply, know Him intimately. When Jesus came, he called 12 men to be with him. They were a motley crew. And he has yet not given up on mankind. He still calls us from wherever. He doesn't call the perfect, but he perfects the called. That's right. And the greatest perfecting, sweetening agent in your life 
is to know him, his person, and his attributes. We have up on the stage here three symbolic gifts for that are vital for any man of God and any actually any believer. This is just not for Jason and Liz. This is for all of us. There is a high standard that has been set before us by God Almighty. And it is incumbent upon us to live as he so designed. So Jason and Liz, would you please come on up here? I want you to stand right here. Okay. I'll be right back. (laughs) While he comes back. This first gift. (laughs) This first gift graced Jim's office for many years. And served as an inspiration to him. There is a tradition, and I don't know where it came from, where a former pastor passes to the new pastor a personal, meaningful item that was part of his study. A pastor should not have an office, he needs to have a study. Big difference. So it graced his office study for many years. And as Elijah passed the mantle to Elisha, this gift represents something so precious that all of heaven yearns for the treasure found here and only here. Not even heaven possesses this treasure. Heaven has streets of gold pearly gates, but all of heaven yearns and looks for this one thing, the lost. You will not find the lost in heaven. You will only find the lost here on earth. The lost are so dear and precious to God's heart that the price of our salvation costs the life of his own son. That's a high cost. And you'll only find these precious ones that Jesus, that God gave his only son for here. Jesus came fulfilled his ministry, and these are his last words. The last words of anyone are the most precious words. In Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go then and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And behold, Jason and Liz, he is with you always, even until the ends of this age. He will never leave us or forsake us. He came and gave us the great commission. And all around us are these precious lost souls, and they're everywhere. Jim and I are both very naturally evangelistic. We witness everywhere. But after this event that Jim and I have had, we get stopped all over in every store. Friday, I was outside in the bitter cold and I got stopped. Please tell me the story. It opened my eyes to how many people want to know the gospel is real. Young and old, they all want to know that the gospel is real. Teenagers are coming up to us and saying, 
Tell us the story. The lost are everywhere. And if we do our part, this place will double next year. I keep prophesying that. We will not recognize this church next year. Amen. The second gift, the first gift is what we do. We go. It's the Great Commission. The second gift is how we tell them. You can pick that up. Mm-hmm. You can take it off and pick it up. In Joshua 1.6, it says, Be strong and very courageous. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate on it day and night. And you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. These words were given to Joshua as he watched his mentor pass. As he watched the the Redeemer, the one that God called to save the children of Israel. This man that everyone revered. The one that saw God, that God called him his friend. And as Joshua steps into this new place, these are the words. Meditate on it day and night, and it'll make your way prosperous, and you will find great success. There's lots of great helps out there. Lots of books that give you splashes of an inspiration in the anointing, but nothing like this. This is a living document whose riches are inexhaustible, whose comfort is indescribable, its power immeasurable. It will not return void and stands up to the test of time in every generation. And this particular one is a key study Bible. You'll discover the hidden meanings of words not easily translated from Greek and Hebrew into English. And we present this wonderful, capable tool, beautiful tool into your capable hands. Okay, if you want to set that back down. And come on over right here. The first one is what we do. The second one is how we do it. And the third one is why we do it. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. My son is here and I love you guys. But I wouldn't give him up for you as much as I love you. The measure of God's heart that he gave his only son. And that ultimate gift requires the greatest respect. We can never take for granted the great price and the terrible price that Jesus paid for our salvation, that we can be sons and daughters of the Most High God. When that gift is deeply revered and greatly appreciated, it puts everything into perspective. And it deepens the resolve to be a good and faithful servant. When I look at the items of this gift, they steal my breath away. And they bring me to my knees. And the heart cries, oh, what a savior, that he would take my place. And after a long search, we present to you these authentic, rare, and fearfully real first century Roman implements. It's a, it's a real crucifixion nail, and it's a f- real Roman spear. And where I got this idea was when I lived in England. In the backyard, you could dig up Roman artifacts, 
like we dig up arrowheads. The Romans were brutal. They make ISIS look like nothing. And they conquered Europe, and they went all over. And they left all over Europe the remains of their presence. And so these were found, the spear was found in Romania, and I don't know where the nail was found. But when we remember, and we touch, and we look, and we see the price that Jesus faced, I look at that nail and I think, oh my, he paid that price for me. You look at that spear, it's like you didn't deserve this. It steals up my backbone to be even more of a great and faithful servant to preach uncompromisingly the word of God and to love him and to thank him all the days of my life. So may none of us forget the world that Jesus died to save, the word that will not return void, and the fearsome wounds that Jesus suffered to pay for our redemption. These three separate symbolic gifts will steady you like you have no idea. Distractions will come, conflicts, issues. It's just there. It's just part of the job. I wish it wasn't, but it is. But if you keep your eye on the high prize you'll make it and you'll make it strong amen i want to ask pastor sam and Sherilyn if you come and just share whatever you have on your heart um jesus said when he after he was uh, tempted in the wilderness he um came back into the temple And he said, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind and put at liberty those that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I think as pastors, we always have to remember we have to depend on the Holy Spirit and his anointing. Because we can never do it in our own strength. And uh, so that's my word to you today. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. We're now his body. You know, he's the head in heaven. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That means that includes us because we're his body on the earth. So Jason and Liz, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. Because he has anointed you. To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind, and to put at liberty those that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And I just want to encourage you with my favorite verse, which is John 14, 27. You know, Jesus was telling his disciples that I'm not going to be here soon. But he's leaving you with, but I leave you with this. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For I have given you peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And along with the anointing and all the tools and equipment he's already given you, you can go in his peace, no fear. Because Amen. you go with what he has given you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 Come up here and we're going to lay hands on you. I want to ask uh, Chris and Linda also to join us as our representatives from our, our board. And 
I want to give you a charge this morning from the Word of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 through 16, the Apostle Paul writes, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man hath seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So I want to ask the congregation this morning if you'll stretch your hands out. Uh, towards Pastor Jason and Liz, and uh, we're going to lay our hands upon them as an official recognition of setting them apart to the ministry to which they have prepared themselves and to which God is going to bring great fruitfulness. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we lay our hands upon thee. And according to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, today we affirm that which he has established and we set you apart to that which he has called you, the head of the church. We call forth the gifts, and the unctions, and the anointings, and the power, and the patience, and the grace, and every good thing, everything that He has equipped and prepared for you. And we release them and call them forth in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We affirm that which God has done. We set ourselves in agreement. And Father, we rejoice that the good work that you have begun, you will bring to fruition and completeness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We say and declare and decree these things. Pastor Sam.
Father, we pray uh, for the equipping of the Holy Spirit in both Jason and Liz. The gifts of the Spirit that are needed every day, every week, every month, every year. Thank you for your wisdom in them as they lead this congregation. Thank you, Father, for giving them great vision for this city and for the surrounding areas and the world. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that will come forth in a mighty way. Yes. Changing and transforming people's lives. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Father, for the people, for the many people. Yes. That are still not here. Yes. But they're coming. Yes. We, Lord, we call them in. Yes. We call them in. And I pray for them. And I pray for this entire congregation. Yes. Lord, I pray that there will be a heart for the lost. Yes. Yes. Rising up stronger than ever. Yes. Reaching people. Yes. Because of what you have done. Yes. That spear and that nail. Lord, that we see in that picture hits us today and puts in us a deeper love for lost people. That's right. And Lord, Jason and Liz are the leaders. Yes. They lead the staff and they lead the church. Jesus. And they lead by example. Yes. So, Lord, thank you for using them in a mighty way. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yes. Most of you are familiar, but you've watched uh, relay races, and as they run around, they pass off the baton to the next runner. And when I put this in your hands, <laughs> I am saying to everyone here that we stand behind this couple. A hundred percent. We're going to be their biggest cheerleaders. And that we trust what God has placed on the inside of them and what he's going to bring to fruition. <laughs> Where's the drum roll here? <laughs> Pam, come over here. Put your hand on this. Jason and Liz, it is an honor and a privilege and the greatest joy of our lives to see God's faithfulness in the completion of what we've begun. We bless you and we love you and we are your biggest cheerleaders. Bless you. Love you, man. The transition is complete, <laughs> but we want to do one more thing because this is not just a simple thing. This is a big family thing. And we ask for the children. The whole brood, all eight of you, to come up here and we're going to pray and bless these kids. <laughs> what a family, huh? You have your fair share of PKs here. <laughs> and uh, we do this as a family, as our son will attest. So we're going to pray for these precious, beautiful children. So reach your hands out. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you call a man and a wife to fulfill your plans and your purposes, but you also call the beautiful children. And we thank you that they have already grown up in the nurture, in the admonition of the Lord. The 
example and the faithfulness that this couple has had to teach their children. The beautiful words of, of, the, of, of God. Scriptures, stories. They live it, walk it, and you see it in the fruit of their children. And we thank you for your hand upon these precious ones. For a, a sweetness that stills their heart. For the, each of them to have a relationship with you, Jesus, that is so real and so wonderful. It's just not what my mom and dad do, but it is who I am. And we thank you for your blessing of these children. And Father, we thank you for the financial provision for this beautiful family. You provided for the children of Israel as they crossed out of Egypt. What is a family of ten? Nothing. And we thank you for your hand upon every single one of them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Just just want you to know that uh, Uncle Bill made the... Do you know I looked at the wood? <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what I thought. Yes. Bill Carell created this for us out of wood that his grandfather, uh, he planted a black walnut tree in 1930. And so thank you, Bill, for helping us put this together. Yes. All right. Give us vision. (laughs) I'll stay here with you. (laughs) Oh, this helps. (laughs) Uncle Bill, is this the same wood that is in my dining room table? It is. The Carell family is our family. And a couple weeks after we moved into our new home, couple years ago, I was having a terrible, terrible day, and I was not, I was not being a godly woman, and I had the good sense to remove myself from the house, and um, I was really struggling, just on the inside, oh, what am I doing, come on, get it together, and when I came home, Bill had come with a surprise for me. And he didn't know that a couple weeks before I stood in this big, beautiful home, and it all just felt like too much. It all just felt like too much. Today, God's goodness is overwhelming. His faithfulness is overwhelming. But I stood in this beautiful home, and I said, all right, Lord, I trust you. I trust you in this abundance And I stood in the middle of this dining room and said, I don't know. We have a card table and four chairs. We'll work it out. And he came on that day with with a table, a beautiful walnut farm table with two big benches that seats our entire family that he had made that I had never talked with him about. And now this wood is the same wood. And as it was unveiled, I thought to myself, that wood looks familiar. <laughs> so thank you, Uncle Bill. Not just, for, not just for the things you make, but for sitting and having coffee with me. It's one of my favorite things. And Aunt Betty for playing games with my children and just loving on us. And for Aunt Nikki, she is like my own flesh and blood. Our family who has prayed for us every year since we've known them, they have covered us in prayer. And we are here, and we're ready, and we're excited, and we are not afraid. (laughs) Well, I mean, just a little afraid. (laughs) (laughs) We have people in this church who speak truth to us, and at some point I will let you give your vision, speak truth to our hearts. And when this all began to take place, I just spent some time with the Lord and said, oh, 
oh dear, Lord, you remember me, right? You know who you, who I am and and what you're talking about. And he said, I know you. You're a mama. And he's called me to be a mom. And he said three words to me that day. He said, you are protective, and I am protective of my children. And I will be protective of this church and this responsibility that he has given. I am affectionate with my children. And I show my love. And I believe that love is only real when you can see it. it. You have to be able to see it and feel it and and perceive it. And he said, you're honest. And I am. I love my children so much that I will not tell them something is right or is good if it is not right and it's not good. They have other people who will tell them what they want to hear. I will always tell them the truth. And I will always do my best to wrap it in love. But I know that they have come, that they have come. And just because, because Pastor Doug and Brandy are sitting right there with my kids, I'm just going to go ahead and include them in this. Because they have come. These two, we, we, we didn't marry them. He married them, but we counseled them. And they are too old to be our children because we're not that old. <laughs> but... They, too, I know they trust us, that we love them enough to tell them the truth. And there have been some conversations we've had that we prayed and we prayed and said, God, let them know our love. Let them know our true heart and let them respond to the love and let them hear the truth. And because my child, because there's trust And because there's been love, boy, did they ever. Did they ever. And now I will be honest. I will always be honest. And I will do my best to wrap it in truth so that it softens. Sometimes it's hard to to, to not hear what you want to hear. We all love to be told you're doing it all just perfect. But we none of us do it all just perfect. I will not do this all just perfect. And yet last night, um, a dear friend had a word, and she said, you're stepping into God's boots. She said, I see boots. I see their big rain boots. She's like, you're not stepping into anyone else's shoes. You're stepping into God's boots. And as she said that, the Lord spoke to me and said, they're, they're plenty big for you to muck about. I don't know what that means. I don't know what kind of mucking I'm going to get into. <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm excited. And I can never fill God's shoes. So there's no, there's no fear. There's no fear. I don't have to try. I can just be safe and secure. And it can cover me in whatever I get in. Whatever, in, in all the realms and spheres of influence that we step into, we are walking with God. He has led us from the very beginning. From the very beginning in ways that our families who love us said, what are you doing? What are you? My mother, I love her. Why do you want to suffer? She said, why do you want to suffer? And I said, mom, we don't want to suffer. We just know, we know what God's saying. And it seems crazy to do some of the things we do, but we know his voice and we are going to be obedient. And I comforted her, and I said, imagine Jonah's mother when he went to Nineveh. She was probably like, no, no, honey, don't go. And so I, I appreciated her mother's heart, but we, we know him, and we obey, and we follow him above all else, above earthly wisdom. We follow godly wisdom, but godly wisdom defies earthly wisdom. We are humbled, and we are excited. God has been placing a vision on the inside of us for a church that we clearly see in the future. And what's been absolutely amazing is, as he's called us to do this together, 
the fundamentals of this church that you two have founded is not going to change. Our mission is to reach a million souls for Jesus Christ. Pastor and Pam, that is not going to change. And we believe in it so much, we put it on the plaque that's going on the wall that says, write the vision and make it plain. And we put it out there, and it's going to get posted on this building because that's not going to change. You two were called to Erie to become established and to build a great church. And you have. And it's our honor and our privilege to take that baton and to continue with all of you to continue to build a great church. You know, this church actually isn't about the two of you. It is not about the two of us. It's about Jesus Christ, our Lord, and what he has done. And thank you both for these gifts. These will be a constant reminder of the great commission that he has placed on our lives. The baton's down there. I got it covered. I didn't drop it. Don't lose the baton. I didn't drop it. My hands were sweaty, and I started getting nervous. I was like, oh, my goodness. Whatever you do, don't drop the baton. I'm not going to go back into the history of how we got here to Erie, and someday I'll, I'll share that. In the month of February, I'm just going to talk a lot about vision for this church and what it means to us, and I want to share specific things with you in the future, and I just want to be gen- uh, general here this morning. But he's called us to do this together, and I think the staff has already been pretty much aware of that as we go to meetings and we do things together It's really a calling that he has on our life. And what I realized is it's not just us together. It's us together. You know, this ministry is not about the senior pastors up here doing ministry. It's about equipping you to do the work of the ministry. And that is our heart is to equip each and every one of you to find your calling, the uniqueness, the talents, the giftings that you have to fulfill the specific calling on your life where he's calling you and what he's asking you to go do. And that is our heart to be able to go do that. I was amazed last night that so many of the scriptures I was planning on sharing here this morning were all said, I think every single one of them. Even phrases that I'm planning to say this morning were beginning to be said. And one of the phrases that was said last night, which has resonated in our hearts, is moving people from death to life. Moving people from death to life. We are believing to see lives transformed, moving them from death to life in all areas in order that they can have victory in their lives to reach others to do it again and again and again. What do we see? I'll tell you what we see. You guys have heard the story that Pastor has shared of his dramatic conversion experience. And it was a veil that was coming down over thousands and maybe a million people. And there was a a dark veil that was coming. And that is the fate of those who don't know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And about two years ago, He gave me a vision, and it's so similar to that, in that there was a crowd of people, and the enemy was offering them all the things of the world, and people were falling down, and they were sick, and they were dying. And I went out into the crowd, and one by one, I began to pick them up stand them up, lay my hands on them, see them miraculously healed, and then I sent them on their way. And I was doing it over and over and over again. And I could tell that the fate of those that didn't know him, and I went out and I started grabbing them. And the enemy, we have an enemy church, you know that? And the enemy actually started coming near me, and I reached out, and I grabbed him on the shoulder, and he shuddered, and he ran away. 
And what I've realized is our two visions are so similar. And what I've also realized is it wasn't just me that was doing it. It was each and every one of you was joining with me. Those who were lost, those who were hurting, those who were sick, those who were dying, finding them, grabbing them, praying for them, and seeing them raised from death to life. From death to life. The scripture in Matthew 6, many of you know it, of the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our goal. This is our rallying cry to bring heaven to earth. Church, is there sickness in heaven? Is there pain in heaven? Are there divorces in heaven? No. He wants us to call heaven to earth. We see people saved and healed. We see people being supernaturally healed than saved. We see people being equipped for their calling. We see people connected with other people, much like we have been connected with this as our family for 20 years. We see families being together. We see people freed from the bondage of sin. We see people freed from the slave of debt. And we see all of this in the name of Jesus. And it is our goal, it is our vision, it is our heart and our mission to bring heaven to earth, to see people moving from death to life in every circumstance in their life. You know, our ultimate goal is to see the enemy defeated. I think one of the versions of the Bible says that you will be pummeled. Our goal and our plan is to pummel the enemy. He has no right to be here, and he will not be here. And he will make his attempts, as feeble as they may be, as strong as they seem like they're coming, but he cannot stand up against the name of Jesus. And we will take our authority and our rightful place in the name of Jesus, and we will cast him out, and we will see victory in our lives. And what do we see? We see traffic jams. I've said this before. We see traffic jams. Uncle Don, get the parking lot ready. There's not, maybe got to add some gravel down there. Maybe we have to expand it. The number of chairs in here we added because of the celebration service last night. I'm tempted to not take those extra ones down because, church, we are preparing for the provision and harvest that God has anointed and commanded for this church. This church is going to be a church that preaches the gospel and teaches the word. These things will not change. This will be a church that prays. This will be a church that prays. This will be a church that is filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Church, we will be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. What he's telling us to do might be completely different than what he's telling somebody else to do, but we're going to do what he tells us to go do. And we're going to be a church that gives, gives of our time, of our talents, of our money, serving the poor, reaching the lost. And when we do all that in Acts chapter 2, it says, and the Lord added to them daily that were being saved. Not all of our effort. It was the Lord that added to them daily. So this is our heart's cry, is that the Lord will begin to add daily to the seats that are empty this morning. And just like the early church, we absolutely know there is going to be moves of the Holy Spirit. This will, again, not change from the fundamentals of who this church was founded on. This morning, God told me this. This ministry will be marked by miracles. This ministry will be marked by miracles. We serve a miracle-working God. And the purpose of those miracles are twofold. Number one is to have the miracle and the mountain moved in that person's life. Number two, it is to arrest the attention of those who have yet to know him. 
Those gifts of the Spirit are to arrest the attention. So when we begin to see these miracles occur, which we have seen them and we will see more, and supernatural healings and miracles happening and supernatural faith above and beyond what people could imagine, it will arrest the attention of those who are yet to come. And they will begin to come. And they will say, what is going on there? And we're going to say, we have a wonderful, good, amazing God who is doing these miracles. This ministry will be marked by miracles. And there'll be certain phrases that you'll begin to hear us say as we develop a culture of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We call them compass words or different things, and I'll get into all this later, but these are words you're going to hear us say. Grace and space to grow. We want to nurture your calling. We want to be generous with our time, our talents, and our money. We want to be a church that is a family. Because when we moved to Erie 20 years ago, we found a family. And this church became our family. And we want this church to be a family to many, many others. And you know, we're not called to do this alone. There are many great ministries out there that we will partner with. God is not calling this church to be everything to everybody. But we will partner with those who God is calling us to partner with. And what gets me excited is that 2019 is the year of provision and harvest. So these additional seats, I think we ought to keep them up. We ought to start working on our budget, the expansion of the parking lot. Because honestly, church, what God has told us to do, the two of us, and we've shared this with the staff, is to begin to prepare for that harvest. And he will bring the provision needed for that harvest as it's coming. And I want to wrap it up with this. Pam said a couple weeks ago, and she mentioned it again this morning. You will not recognize this church in one year. And we are standing on that word, moving people from death to life in a season of provision and harvest with the evidence being recognized by something you cannot tell a year from now. It is going to be completely different, and it's going to be exciting. And we're super, super excited about what God is doing. Amen? Church, uh, worship team, if you could come back up, you can. The Lord spoke to me in one of my times with him recently, and I was um, so excited about last night. Can I just take a minute and just talk about the staff of this church? What an amazing group of people. On September 24th, boy, our world just crashed, truly. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize how, how my heart was so tied to my pastor and what a father he was in my heart. But we all realized it. We all, whatever love was hiding in our hearts or even overt in our hearts, we all realized it. Very quickly, things began to progress and change. And that miracle, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And I remember giving updates. And I remember saying, Satan, you will rue the day you tried to hinder this man. When I said that, I think he was three days into a six-day coma. And somewhere on the inside was like, mm, you just said that. And in that moment, it's in that moment that somewhere on the inside of me, someone bigger said, yes, I did. In that moment to decide, am I going to side with fear and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. What if, what if, or to stand up and say, yes, I did. Do I need to say it louder? I will say it again. You will hinder. I mean, you will rue the day that you tried to hinder that man. And so together, the word to, God gave us this word together, and he meant it. He meant not just together in unity, in spirit. He meant together in person, working side by side. He spoke that word to us in 2010. It's 2019. 
And that day, we haven't been apart a single day. He plays blocks with the kids while I homeschool in the morning. And then together we come in and we meet with this incredible staff. So their world got turned upside down in an instant. And I just want to thank them. They are just the most hardworking and loving people. And they pour their lives out. They give more than what is required. What happened here last night was Don's 38,000 steps in one day on his pedometer. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I'm thankful for you guys. And I just want to thank you for last night, for today. You are an amazing staff. You're an amazing church. I was thinking about Pastor and Pam and how to honor them, what they've done, who they are. And um, the Lord said they were pioneers and they're builders and they're connectors. And he said, and you, you're a reproducer. (laughs) (laughs) And we are. (laughs) We are multipliers. And do you know what? This wasn't hard. This is what we were born to do. This wasn't hard for us. And when you, when you put in front of you, when you focus on what God has called you to do and keep from having opinions about what he's called other people to do, you're, you don't have to have an opinion. When it starts coming up, like you start thinking about, oh, what do I think about that? You can tell yourself no. You can say, oh, wait, that's not my body. I don't have to dress that person, so I'll just not have an opinion about what they're wearing. I'll have an opinion about what I'm wearing but more importantly about what I'm called to do. This wasn't hard. He made the way. He made the way. There were moments. I mean, there are moments. This morning, there were moments. He dressed the baby. There's little buttons, big fingers. He passed. He passed the test. Um, There are moments, and obedience is always a fight. It's a fight. But when we focus on what he's called us to do and he's equipped us to do, and don't look to the left and don't look to the right, don't look to the to families who can go on vacation four times a year because they just have one or two or three or whatever. Don't look to them. Don't look to them. You know? Look to what he's called you to do, and he provides above and beyond more than we can ask or think. And my belief, as sure as I'm standing here, is that We are reproducers. We are multipliers by his power. By his power, this church will not look the way it looks. It will be unrecognizable in a year. And it will not be because of our great effort or because of my perfect words. No, 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 no. Or his awesome preaching or his his phenomenal fashion sense. (laughs) These things will not have any bearing. It will be God who does the work. We are willing and we are honored and we are supported by an amazing staff, by amazing founding pastors. This transition, this transition has been awesome. Unity, love, it's been awesome. And we are blessed and excited. Before we go into worship, the final word is this, is together, together, we will continue to build a great church. Together, we will continue to build a great church. Now, to him is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we could ask or think, according to the power, his power, that's at work in us. To him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this day, this momentous day in the history of this church. And God, we thank you that you're with us and that you're going to continue to be with us. And we thank you for the history of this church. And we thank you for the future of this church. God, be with us in this time as we fellowship and as we go on roads, yes. 
We love you this morning. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy your time together. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.